ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, episode 114. churchy that song is it uh, coming right out of the gate today and saving us some time and I'm gonna deal with uh, some of the critics uh, things that I've been criticized for saying um, and I wanted to deal with this issue because it's heavy on my heart and I, I don't want you to think that I'm you know trying to trigger people or lead people into sin by playing certain kinds of music um, Every song I play on the show, I play to illustrate a point, and uh, sometimes that ruffles some feathers, and you know, if some of the music that I'm playing on this series of shows is triggering to you, then again, don't download it. Um, if it is triggering to you, I'm going to ask why, and I'm going to press on that, and I'm going to keep asking these kinds of questions. Why? Are we triggered? Why do we go to these dark places? And and where did we get this sense of survival, right? That song illustrates a great point that, you know, sometimes we feel like in our situation that we have no choice but to steal, you know? Kind of goes back to those movies where, you know, the poor kid in, in, you know, the Middle East or whatever, he steals a loaf of bread and then the bad guys are coming after him. And I'm thinking about the opening scene in Disney's Aladdin, I think, when I think about that. And it's just, well, I had to take the bread because I'm hungry and there's nothing else I could do. I had to steal it, man. And when it comes to sexual ethics and when it comes to especially sexual addiction, what happens is we we start to adopt these coping mechanisms and going back to the the name of this podcast which is attitudes of sexual integrity we adopt certain attitudes that either set us free or keep us locked into bondage one thing i've heard in groups i've been in, in a lot of groups right recovery groups where people are pouring out their stuff and their heart and and, and some of the things I've heard from a number of people, uh, one of them off the cuff and one of them from the heart. Um, one of them being, I wish I could just download my shoulds and ought tos. I'm using that word just to, to make it easier to understand. But I wish I could take the information. I've heard people say this. like I wish I could just take this information that I know download it into my heart and then be able to do it. Because I know what to do but the doing it is, is the hard part, right? And I've also heard people say this in tears when it comes to 
really doing the steps, right? The, the disciplines, the things that need to be done in order to move us forward in our journey towards sexual integrity. Um, that people break down, I've seen this, it, it, in myself, I've done this. Just, you know, in tears going, this is how I cope. This is how I've coped for years. And not just talking about, you know, masturbation or sexual addiction or, or whatever, but getting down to these levels of, uh, you know, anger and, and pushing away and, you know, anti-intimacy. There, there's these attitudes that we have and, and they start to conflict with what we know. Or the knowledge, the things that we're learning, trying to strive to, to understand. And once we understand them, we have a hard time applying them because the attitudes, right, are so deeply ingrained. The reason why, and the reason I believe why those attitudes are deeply ingrained is, you know, part of it's cognitive science. I mean, what fires together, wires together. And you have a habit keep doing the same thing over and over again, it's just very difficult to get, you know, if you picture a wheelbarrow in a rut, or as the book of Proverbs uses this analogy of cords, the cords of sin wrapping us, you know, over and over again, like a spider web into a cable, um, that's really what is happening. And the truth is, it's more emotional and spiritual in nature than it is just psychological, right? The theology under the psychology is the fact that we are, you know, emotional, spiritual, intellectual beings being poured out all of the time. Because for me, one of the harshest realizations was realizing that, you know, life has this rhythm that moment by moment, day by day, every day isn't the same. And there's those days and those moments when things are either going bad or things are in that place where you start to gravitate towards treasure, okay, savior. That's why your triggers and dealing with your triggers is so important because your triggers can be your treasure or your triggers are actually driving you towards your treasure. Why? Why is that? Why is it your treasure? That's my question. That is the theology under the psychology. That's where your heart springs forth from. It's not true that this bang, this little gun goes off in your head and all of a sudden you have no choice but to keep giving in to the things that are destroying your life. You don't. I speak from experience here. There is freedom. God is love. He wants to see you free, redeemed by his blood. Then that takes sacrifice. Not even 15 minutes later, I'm still walking on the street when I saw the shadow of a man creep out of sight. And then he swept up from behind, he put a gun up to my head, he made it clear he wasn't looking for a fight. Your money, not your life But if you try to make a move I won't think twice I told him you could have my cash But first you know I gotta ask What made you wanna live this kind of life He said there ain't no rest for the wicked Money don't grow on trees
because people can take these the music I play and say, well, you're being worldly, Russ, and that's a pretty big deal. And I, and I love you. I'm trying to communicate effectively. And really, I've done a show in the past on this to to really expose what is worldly, um, what the Bible's definition of worldly is, because what religious people in the 20, 20th, 21st centuries view on worldliness is is not the same as the Bible, right? Like they'll say, um, James 4, verse 4, uh, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. I agree, but you have to read the context of that whole chapter. That chapter is going to end with um, maybe you need to have sorrow and tears instead of your laughing and joy all of the time. All right. I mean, think about these churches that just play positive music and positive this and positive that. And it's all about positivity and living your life positive all the time. Sometimes there needs to be a mourning. Sometimes there needs to be repentance. Sometimes we need to focus on the stuff that's destroying our lives in order to see to get some heart change. Right. Check this out. I love this. This is Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 20. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. All right, that's the ending of Colossians chapter 2. The ripple effect of defining worldliness as... You know, garbage in, garbage out, right? Like, art isn't isn't in the eye of the beholder. Art is evil and worldly, and that music and those films and, and that culture, the ripple effect of that has had Christians move out of the city, okay? Even though the Bible, the obvious points of the Bible, I mean, Paul writes letters to cities, the city where art's come out of where the recording industry is where the 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 artists uh, do their work where colleges higher education the news media journalism all that stuff is is like mark driscoll said it's, it's upstream culturally and so christians say that that's worldly and they move out of the city and they don't care that the whole world just goes to hell that's religion it's not christian it really is. God comes out of his comfort zone, out of heaven, where it's comfortable and warm, into this pit of humanity, right? Because he loves us and wants to influence our hearts. It's not Christian to want to run from culture and not want to influence and just look at people as firewood. That's evil, and it's what the Pharisees did. Something... Uh great pastor in Texas, Matt Chandler, says a lot, and I'm going to say it here. Um, are you tracking with me? All right. It's my question to you. Is this making sense to you? Russ at ASI247.org if you want to send me an email. Um, yes or no? Does this make sense? Are you tracking with me? 
for example, there could be this kind of, and that's why I talked about guruism in some of the earlier shows. Like I'm not some guru, you know, teacher that you follow just because, you know, and there's that whole analogy where people say, don't drink the Kool-Aid, right? I love that analogy. There's a little cynicism there, but I think it's a healthy kind of cynicism. All right. I aspire to some of the philosophy, not all, but some of the philosophy that uh, Murphy's Law, like Murphy was an optimist. Okay. We don't just do things. Somebody says because, you know, they, they're a great person or whatever. We, we have some discernment. Does that make sense? So, I heard a doctor talking about MSG, all right? MSG, monosodium glutamate, is uh, like an additive that they put in food to make it taste good, right? You put MSG on dirt, and it, and it would taste delicious, okay? That's how powerful this kind of seasoning is. And so there's all these people that say MSG is, is the devil, right? Like it's it messes with your neurons, and it, it hits pleasure centers of the brain. Well, I agree, okay? Yeah. Uh, good tasting stuff hits pleasure centers of the brain that's fairly obvious okay sex does the same thing um, that doesn't mean that it's gonna kill you or it's gonna mess with your neurological pathways it will but a lot of that has to do with what we desire right so I've been trying to eat healthier and have be more conscious about this um, to a certain degree. So in my own battle with my own desires with uh, my, my new addiction, which I believe is, is bacon. Like, I, I love bacon. Love me some bacon. Man, good stuff. Animal fat also does the same thing. Hits those pleasure centers of the brain. Anyway, where am I going with this? So I'm listening to this doctor talk about this. And then he goes into soybean oil and soy products and how they do kind of the same thing. And it's not always healthy. And and I'm, I'm not tracking with that, right? Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if all the facts are there with that. I know how hard it is to get something through the Food and Drug Administration, right? I have a friend who's who sold pharmaceuticals. And, and that's it's very difficult to get a new product through the Food and Drug Administration. But at the same time, if I can scrutinize my own beliefs and my own thoughts against what is true and really look at it from the doctor's perspective, would I have a new view on things? Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Like, I don't want you to just drink the Kool-Aid. I want you to say, okay, is what Russ talking about true because that is critical reasoning, right? Listen to these lectures from Oxford University on critical reasoning. We start with a truth premise, and that is what drives our attitude towards either protecting that truth or scrutinizing it. And how does the 12 steps put it? If your life has become unmanageable, maybe there's some truths that you need to scrutinize. Things that you believe to be rock-solid truth um, like, don't just get mad at me because I'm saying things that may anger you. Why does it anger you? Does your attitude rise up in anger because I'm saying something that you may be protecting some piece of truth that you believe is absolute gospel truth when it may be actually destroying your life? Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Again, and I've said a lot in this show that um, behavior modification doesn't work long term. It's a heart change that changes behavior. 
I love people who are real. I love people who are honest. I love that the book of Revelation says that Jesus talking about, I spew the lukewarm from my mouth. I love that. And if I could take a, a, a dipstick, right, and, and dip it into the engine that is your heart and, and check the level of verve that you have, passion for life and growth and this organic life-giving growthness that would be in your heart, that level of oil would be your attitude. What's your attitude level? Where are you at? Does that make sense? Towards these things, these truths that are dictating your life. We're all slaves, man. We really are. These people who say, oh, I'm just a rebel and don't tell me to obey. You do obey. You can't not obey. That is truth. And part of the fact of the law and the rules are that there are things that we do that are loving, right? Love is the works and acts of love. We can do things that are loving or we can do things that are mean. Like, that was mean, right? That was cold. Thank you. What comes pouring out of us? What do we need to change? What attitudes do we need to scrutinize? And how can we better love? And that's part of my story too, that we get down on ourselves, that we start to hate ourselves, that we start to get, you know, real and, and live in this guilt that just hangs over us like a cloud. I'm not like normal people and I'll get tempted and I'll get triggered and we don't realize we're making the culture around us. We can love, we can get grace and be forgiven. We are loved by God. respond you know I love that song that's so true by really looking at our own hearts and our own attitudes and realizing that Jesus has come into the world to rescue us that on the cross he said it is finished all right he's solved it he's done it he loves us he's pursuing us in relationships relationships take work on our part I wanted to read you this this um, it starts in, in John chapter uh, 9. I'm reading from uh, the New King James Version today. Um, starting in verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who may see may be blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. It's just like that scripture in Colossians. It's like, oh, I see. It's worldliness. 
It's because I listen to that music. Well, if I just listen to Christian music all the time, then I can get rid of that and I won't be tempted. Is that true? Is that a change of heart? I see. Oh, those people out there are evil and sinful and horrible and wrong. And if I can just be better than them, I'll be free. I, I see. No, you're blind. You're no better than anyone. Chapter 10. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Again, this is these moralists who just, you know, they ignore Jesus, don't even talk about Jesus, and just talk about the rules and moralism, and here's what you need to do to be a winner. It's, it's Jesus is the shepherd. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 2. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. All right, that's the religious people, the moralistic deists who just tell you the good things to do that we can't seem to do. I'm not doing these Ten Commandment shows to give you more lists and more rules that you can't do anyway. Like I said in the show, I'm trying to show you Jesus, the, the shepherd, right? The, uh, Scott Thomas writing this book on, on the, the gospel coach. Ultimately, coaching is shepherding, right? That, that whole analogy of coach to get someone from one place to another. That's what the good shepherd does. That's what Jesus does in our hearts, spiritually, supernaturally. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. All right, Jesus doesn't want you to be bummed out. God doesn't want you to just hang your head in dreary, bummed out mourning all of the time. We don't go to extremes. Life has a rhythm. God loves you and he wants to see you have more joy and he wants the ripple effect of your kids and your grandkids and those people and your influence that, that you would be light, organic, life-giving life in this world that he wants to shine his glory through, through you. In overcoming this addiction, this behavior, this uh, sense of truth we have. We hate morality, right? We don't care about ethics. No, we don't. We're just trying to figure out our truth. What's real? What is really real? I love you guys. I just want you to see 
A change of attitude changes everything. It's worship. It's how we're being poured out. It's the direction that we're going. It's asking, seeking, knocking. It's talking to God. It's praying. It's working on that relationship through prayer, through consideration of, of the things that are in the Bible and scrutinizing our own version of truth that we grew up in. I love you guys. My email address is russ at asi247.org. You want to send me an email? Um, if you could send a donation, keep the show uh, up and running, I, I would certainly appreciate it. Uh, again, it's russ at asi247.org on the website there, or um, P.O. Box 13324982206. That's the zip code, and that's in Everett, Washington, USA. I love you guys. I'm going to leave you with another song by Joe Day and the album Grace. Love this album. And I love this song. Rescue me. It, we, we've been rescued. That's the good news. It's already happened. We've already been rescued. God does love us and He is seeking relationship with us. He is pursuing us. This is Joe Day. Love this song. Death to life. Till next time. Bye. I was a prodigal son I was hellbound on my own I was a wandering sheep Till you came and rescued me You were my redemption my salvation You called me out of death to
Call me out from death to 